Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit fssystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, the stock market had a huge down day on Thursday. More follow-through reaction to the Federal Reserve's latest interest rate announcement. While the commodities and livestock had a fairly choppy mixed day, the quarter wheat finding a little bit of technical support on Thursday. Welcome into the show. Thanks for joining us here on Market Talk today. I am your host, Jesse Allen. Good to be here as always. Coming up on the show today, we have a lot to dive into. We are going to talk about these markets, get perspective from Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. He's going to join us coming up here in segment three and four to discuss what he's seeing in this market market trade mentioned a pretty rough down day uh, in the stock market more follow-through reaction to the fed's latest 50 basis point rate hike and comments from fed chair jerome powell that uh, we will probably be seeing further rate hikes likely ahead of us so not all kind of weighing in the dollar moving higher yet appears we found a little bit of technical support in an otherwise a light holiday choppy type trade in grains mainly corn and wheat soybeans had some pressure uh, but did come off the lows as we got to the close of thursday session so Plenty of things to discuss. Monster export sales for soybeans uh, for the weekly sales report on Thursday. Corn and wheat were also pretty solid and a rebound in cattle and hogs. So we're going to walk through things coming up with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing here in just a little while. Also today, we are going to talk with Scott K of BASF. Scott is the VP of U.S. Agriculture Solutions. We're going to talk about their partnership, a long-running one now, 15 years with the National Corn Growers Association to support scholarships for youth in agriculture, folks who are working on their undergraduate degree to uh, go into the agriculture industry in the field. So we're going to talk to uh, Scott coming up here in segment two about that partnership and more. Also have a look at a few news headlines here on the show today as well. First up, though, let's get some market thoughts, analysis, commentary, perspective from Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday on Thursday for our midday commentary and got Arlen's thoughts on the uh, – action in the trade on Thursday. We talk about the grain trade. We talk about some of those big export sales and also uh, talk about the backdrop of the macro markets and the rough day in the stock market and the latest Fed news and more. We start our conversation talking about the grain trade and how that's reacting to the outside markets here as we near the end of the week. Here is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Yeah, all of it's within the environment of the outside markets reacting to the Fed statement um, and recessionary fears. Um, but yet corn and wheat and soybeans are kind of trading some of the technical indicators. Uh, 
Um, you know, if you start with soybeans, they just refuse to go higher than that 1490 area for the January contract. That's an area of significant chart resistance. That's where the buyers really back off and the market doesn't, you know, these speculative traders don't make money in a stagnant market. So, um, they, if they can't go higher, they're going lower. Um, but they're still within mostly the range that we've been over the last week. And, and when we look at corn and wheat, also there, we're kind of trading a range, reversing where we did, were yesterday, um, staying within this consolidation range we've been in the last few days, and the algos are just playing with that range. So nothing really driving it. It's that uh, holiday malaise type of a period where we're kind of drifting, and that allows the algos to really drive things as the charts dictate. Weekly export sales did look fairly strong. Soybeans again, and then even quarter wheat seemed like we got a bit of an improvement there as well, and an improvement in uh, beef and pork as well, Arlen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when we look at soybeans in particular, the number was really impressive, but it was also widely known and already priced in. That's one of the reasons they got us up to that 1490 area that tested in recent days. Um, so it's kind of old news and the story in the marketplace if you is to, is kind of to fade uh, or sell good news in the export sales because it's already been priced in. So that's kind of what we're seeing in the market today. Over in those outside markets, you mentioned uh, the reaction to the Fed news and feels like a little bit more of a reaction here, more follow-through pressure than what we saw initially on uh, Wednesday afternoon, Arlen. Yeah, we got a, a fairly sharp reaction as soon as the statement was released. And then when Fed Chair Jerome Powell started his press conference with comments 30 minutes later, this was on Wednesday, um, you know, the market reacted even more violently. But then the more he talked, it kind of eased back and it kind of soothed them. And by the time the outside markets closed, we were kind of back to where we were when the data was first released or the statement was first released. But then overnight, they got thinking about it again. Then we saw the Bank of England raise its interest rate 50 basis points, and then the European Central Bank go up 50 basis points. And I think one of the telltale signs here is the dollar going sharply higher today. And that's indicative of the trade market, the global traders seeing the Fed as being the most hawkish of the central banks, looking at the comments more than what they actually did. And uh, so I think the currency market is reflecting that. And that has uh, Wall Street worried about recession and what kind of harm might happen because of the Fed's policies to the economy. And that's why we're seeing crude oil lower. We're seeing stocks lower. And we're seeing a lot of the markets lower. Corn and wheat stuck in trading those range. They're kind of the exception of the rule today, pushing higher. And again, that's comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. Well, ad hoc disaster aid as a farm safety net has always been unpredictable, unreliable, and slow in arriving. So the American Farm Bureau says better risk management tools must be part of the 2023 Farm Bill. Inefficient and costly disaster relief has made up nearly 80% of federal help to producers since 2018. So American Farm Bureau's Emily Buckman says it's time to strengthen the safety net in the next Farm Bill. Ad hoc disaster assistance, it is unpredictable. And it's always more beneficial to have certainty, especially given all the factors that play into the farm economy, whether that's supply chain issues or inflation, disaster assistance should be, uh, we want something that's a little bit more predictable. 
Farm Bureau recently asked congressional leaders for disaster aid for weather losses this year in the developing fiscal year 23 omnibus spending bill that could pass next week after another temporary measure this week. But given all that's happened in the last few years. We certainly believe that the 2023 Farm Bill presents an opportunity to enhance risk management tools um, that are actually sound and adaptable for our members' needs. Buckman doesn't say, but logical choices could include enhanced crop insurance, better commodity program support levels, and increased conservation funding. All of it setting up a competition next Congress for dollars and votes between urban and rural interests and those seeking more spending and budget hawks. Well, coming up next here, as we are about to the break, we will be back with a conversation with Scott Kay from BASF. We're going to talk about their support of scholarships with the NCGA. Also, stick around markets and commentary coming up with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. We'll get to Brian's commentary coming up here in segment three and four today. And again, overall, a fairly decent day on Thursday, at least in corn and wheat futures. A little strength there. Soybeans did come off the lows, but still mostly lower livestock trade was moderately lower led down by hogs and we see that the stock market had a pretty rough day on thursday as well we're going to talk about all that coming up here as we continue with more market talk on the way after the break market information that matters to you on market talk now back to jesse allen And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks again for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And something very interesting uh, came across my desk here the other day that I I wanted to highlight here on the show as we think about educating our youth and educating the next generation in agriculture, whether they're on the farm, ranch, or in the ag industry. Maybe they're agronomists. Maybe they're working in a laboratory, et cetera, et cetera. If they're impacting agriculture, we definitely want to spotlight that, and we want to spotlight efforts to educate educate uh, young folks as they work on building their career in agriculture. Joining us now, he is the VP of U.S. Agriculture Solutions with BASF, Scott K. Talking about BASF's partnership 15 years now, supporting the future of uh, U.S. corn and working with the National Corn Growers Association. Scott, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing well. Hey, thanks, Jesse. I'm doing great. And uh, it looks like uh, across a big part of the country, winter's upon us. I couldn't agree more. Winter is upon us across a big part of the country. And, you know, it's that time of the year, I guess. If, uh, some some folks wanted a white Christmas. They're going to definitely get that here, depending on where they're at across the U.S. Scott, uh, let's dive in. I want to talk about this partnership, National Corn Growers Association, BASF. Uh, NCGA recently announced uh, the winners for this year for the Bill Berg Academic Excellence in Agriculture Scholarships. And the announcement also noted 15 years of partnership with BASF. And I know there's been 70 some scholars who've been supported by this scholarship in the last 15 years. Talk about why BASF, why your company, why do you find this important to support Scott? To me, you know, BSF is is uh, committed to uh, uh, not just investing in innovations that farmers desperately need to uh, to solve problems that they have on the farm today. Like, uh, you know, a lot of your listeners probably have, have been either experience or hearing about tar spot. Well, BSF has solutions for that with fungicides like Veltima. The, you know, also I think that, um, you know, the, there's a, you know, ag is expanding so rapidly that uh, BSF wants to be front and center in, in our investment 
in future leaders in in ag, and that's why we why we uh, form partnerships with uh, with NCGA and other comp- other organizations, uh, so that we continue to invest uh, via scholarships and or uh, you know our own commitment and, and talent and and uh, and people uh, to help those future leaders uh, to develop uh, in, into our uh, U.S. market. Well, and I think about it as well, it would be ASF, you, you hit it on the head, and I would have to think that this is probably, you know, part of the ROI, so to speak, the return on investment for the company with this partnership. It's, it's you know, supporting and investing in uh, new young leadership that is uh, beginning to grow and learn in the ag industry, Scott. Yes, yeah, so I think you know what what BSF has been has been committed to, and, and the great partnership with with NCGA, as I mentioned before. But but uh, those scholarships, we award those annually, and uh, you know we we really are amazed at the talent of of people out there. And I think it's 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 too that uh, BSF has really taken a priority investing in this area, uh, not only by supporting those young minds, but also uh, finding new ways uh, for our crops to develop. Uh, in these markets and uh, innovating our approaches. And so it, uh, it's, it's just fascinating and uh, unbelievable amount of, of talent um, in, in the market and, and people who, who are interested in looking at ag in a lot of different ways. You know, at BSF, from, a, from an innovator standpoint, with 25 new products to launch over the next three years, you know, it, it's, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of bright, intelligent people. But I, but I think to, to not just solve problems today, but for the future. And in, in those areas, you know, with BSF, um, you know, we, we want to be a leader in, in soybean seed with Satavo. And uh, we believe uh, that we are on that edge of doing that. So we, we want to get a lot of different, different sort of talent, whether it's from corn growers and people who think about corn, and that's where their passion is, to soybeans, to, to canola, to wheat. And uh, we have both the chemistry seed treatment and then digital you know i think too that's that's mm-hmm. a that's a fascinating area is that how quickly is digital uh farming developing and with bsf smart sprayer with our partnership with bosch you know what an opportunity we have and and that's why you know so hungry to uh to offer scholarships and to continue to invest in agriculture because the future is so bright well, I know folks as well can continue the conversation with BASF. I'm going to mention uh, their Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn handles, BASF Ag Products, at BASF Ag Products on Twitter, at BASF Agricultural Solutions USA on Facebook, at BASF underscore Ag Products on Instagram, and at BASF Agricultural Solutions on LinkedIn. Scott, I, I want to ask as well, you know, we, we obviously know the state of the economy right now. We're hearing a lot of folks having, you know, trouble in this economic time frame, companies are tightening their belt, they're trimming unnecessary costs, they're cutting philanthropy. So uh, why is BASF still persisting in this partnership despite the uh, economic challenges we're facing right now, Scott? I think, I think BASF is just going to continue to uh, to look at um, ways to, to invest in the future. And uh, I think that, that never stops. I think uh, obviously we always evaluate uh, how we're how we're doing in the market, how things are going, but I think uh, the the ongoing investment in future leaders uh, that just continues. And there's there's other ways that we're doing that. So you know, people uh, may have seen BSF at the at the latest FFA national convention in Indianapolis, where uh, where again we got to to meet and host a lot of future leaders in the FFA. Same goes for AFA. Uh, you know, in in Kansas City, they just had their national conference. And uh, just just under a thousand students showing up there, 
and it's just amazing their outlook on uh, on agriculture and their passion. I think it 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 helps us all to to look at that future and say, you know, we want to continue to invest here uh, in these bright minds. And uh, and I think you know the the other place where we're spending. Uh, a lot of uh, additional time to and resources with manners. And, uh, you know, I think there too, we're, we're going to continue to look for uh, different avenues and, and different people that uh, want to enter agriculture. Not everybody today has to be from a farm uh, to, uh, to be successful uh, in agriculture in the U.S. and certainly not at BSF. Scott, great thoughts. Before I let you go real quick, any other final thoughts, anything else you want to reiterate or share uh, with uh, listeners here today? No, I just thank thank everybody out there uh, for uh, for their support of their local BSF uh, representative and uh, and su- for supporting uh, these these young uh, folks who are entering uh, agriculture and have a passion uh, for it. For your your continue your local support uh, is also still needed, uh, regardless of what BSF does to partner with NCGA and and other organizations. Um, but uh, we also hope that. Uh, you know, we know that this past year was had was challenging. We also know that there's some success out there, and uh, we just want to thank farmers for for doing the biggest job on earth and uh, in and uh, enabling our families to all meet uh, over the holidays and and and, uh, and have a great meal because uh, they are responsible for uh, for making that happen. Well, we appreciate a few minutes of your time with that VP of U.S. Agriculture Solutions with BASF, Scott K. Thanks so much. We'll wish you a uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Scott. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Same to you, Jesse. Thanks a lot. And again, that's Scott K. with BASF. Appreciate Scott taking the time to be with us here today and talk about that uh, partnership, great partnership with the National Corn Growers Association of BASF. 15 years now partnering and offering scholarships to uh, outstanding undergrads plan to use their degrees to benefit the agriculture industry. You can continue the conversation with BASF as well, by the way, on Twitter at BASF Ag Products, on Facebook at BASF Agricultural Solutions USA, on Instagram at BASF underscore Ag Products, and if you are on LinkedIn as well at BASF Agricultural Solutions, those are their handles uh, that you continue the conversation on social media with the folks at BASF. Well, also, uh, one other story I wanted to share here on the program today before we uh, head to the break and get Brian Doherty in here to talk markets. The U.S. economy still has considerable momentum and is not currently on the verge of recession. That is according to CoBank's 2023 year-ahead report. However, economists have never been more pessimistic And there are legitimate reasons for concern. Over the past half century, inflation above 5% has never been tamed without incurring a recession. Now, Dan Kowalski, vice president of CoBank's Knowledge Exchange, says, quote, as financial conditions continue to tighten, we expect the U.S. economy will steadily soften through the first half of 2023, end quote. After two years defined by a strong economic rebound from the pandemic, the global economy will sputter in 2023, according to the report. Despite the global pandemic and a steady barrage of disruptive challenges, the U.S. agricultural economy has fared quite well for the last three years. Now, however, in 2023, 
It's expected producers of related industries will begin to show financial strains, a relentless series of adversities including skyrocketing production costs, steeply higher interest rates, and weakening demand will increase pressure on farm income and margins. And again, that is all according to CoBank's 2023 Year Ahead Report. So some interesting things to keep in mind here as we're definitely not out of the woods when it comes to inflation and the state of our economy. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about the markets with our good friend Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. He joins us next as we're back with more Market Talk of the Way right after this. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And taking a look at Thursday's market action, a little support in corn and wheat beans down a bit. Livestock lower, rough day in the stock market, though. Uh, overall, got plenty of interesting things to tackle and talk about here on the show today. Joining us with Market analysis. We welcome in our good friend Brian Doherty, senior market advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, good to talk with you, sir. Hope you're doing well so far this week. Jesse, doing great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, maybe a little better than the stock market the last couple of sessions here after posting some really impressive gains a couple of days ago. Uh, the uh, you know I'll, you know there's different indexes you can look at. When I look at the Dow Jones index, just over thirty five thousand here in the thirteenth. Well. Today's the 15th. Right now, we're getting closer to 33,000. So, so pretty hard turnaround, um, and um, a lot of activity with the Fed raising rates again. So, mm-hmm. raised them, but they seem to imply that they're they feel good about where where they're tackling inflation. But there's work to be done. I guess that's I'll par- paraphrase a little bit there. Um, and then export sales for. Uh, for corn, soybeans today, um, wheat, um, they were pretty good. You know, beans had a big number there, and and the bean market it was a little bit defensive today as meal and oil took a bit of a slide, anticipating that maybe these export numbers were already in place. Corn had a nice pickup this week, 37.8 million bushels. We've been seeing numbers consistently below that. Uh, corn ended the day with some small gains. Yeah, overall, uh, you hit on a few different things that I want to tackle here, Brian. I want to stick with the Dow Jones and the in the outside markets of the Fed here real quick. Feels like that's been the backdrop to these markets all week long. Uh, but looking at a rough day here on Thursday, you know, I wonder, though, how much did it play into the commodities? It felt like grains and livestock held up okay considering the big down move in the Dow. And of course, you mentioned, you know, more work to be done, so to speak, from the Fed. That's what they say, kind of hawkish comments again. Um, It just seems like it sets us up for more, uh, you know, more of this to continue as we enter into 2023, Brian. 
It does, and a lot of volatility and a lot of back and forth. And so some might question, well, where, you know, where do where do people put their money or where do these hedge funds go with their money? Uh, the stock market made a very solid recovery from about just a little over 28500 to 35000 And it did that in a window of time, really about the same uh, window of time that the corn market took about a 50 to 60 cent slide. And so it looked like uh, the fund money was, or managed money was maybe moving out of commodities as a whole and moving into equities. And now what? Do they buy the dip in equities or did equities overextend themselves? And so we'll see. The other thing you have is you got end of the year approaching. Uh, it's a couple of weeks ago. There at some point here, it wouldn't surprise me if traders just kind of said, we're kind of done for the year. It's been so volatile and jumpy that we're, we're just going to, move to the sidelines. Um, there might be some of that too, but you know, in the corn market, the bean market, it's always active. It's always dynamic. There's always a weather market somewhere or potential for one elsewhere in the world, which brings me to the point of focus. Uh, the market will keep an eye on what happens in Argentina and Brazil in particular and see what that looks like for crop production prospects. Well, in the soybean market, it feels like, and I'll, I'll say that it, again, feels like, I, I want your perspective on this and your thought, but, the, you know, we keep bumping up against this overhead resistance level, 1490, $14.95, $15 here, and then we take profits, and then we kind of churn our way back towards it. That's what feels like is the cap right now on this soybean market, and you mentioned the the strong export sales for the week again looking at South America weather, is this just overhead technical resistance or is there something else underlying that uh, that we need to keep an eye on here in this soybean complex, Brian? Actually, it's a, it's, a, it's several factors. Uh, it, it is overhead chart resistance to your point near $15. We've reached that level multiple times here the, over the last several months, run out of gas. So the trade's pretty quick to sell it. If it's not blowing through there, they'll quickly sell it. Export sales, 108 million bushels today. That's awesome. Brings a total of 1.536 billion. That's ahead of last year at this pace, 1.471. Um, there is weather providing support in Argentina and Brazil. The question is, is that is that weather market going to expand or is it going to be kind of pushed to the sideline if conditions improve with a waning La Nina forecast, according to longer range forecasters? So, so you've got all those dynamics, and then you've got the dynamic of China opening up uh, and yet COVID spikes, but still signaling that, you know, they're going to take measures to try and sort of bolster the economy, which has really had a rough year in China. So all, all of those factors, but suffice to say, you know, the bean market running up against 15, it's a high price. You've got farmers that are kind of looking at things pretty closely going, you know, we've been here before. I don't want to lose this. And that is kind of, I think, a determining factor. As I talk to producers, uh, if they've been looking for an opportunity to sell beans at $15, it has come and went several times since June. And when it goes, it goes kind of quickly. So I think the idea, look, I don't want to get too greedy, not really seeing big problems in Brazil with weather. I think I better sell some beans. I think there's some of that as well, uh, as well as farmers delivering corn on good basis where it's needed and wanted, and 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 to date the slow export pace for corn. So really, kind of the same story we've been talking about. But what happens is you get what's called a trader's market. Traders buy the dips or buy support. They sell resistance, and uh, others would call that base building, where the market just 
it can't break out one way or the other. And that's that's really the trend we're probably in with soybeans. It's about a dollar fifty range, and in corn it's a big fifty cent range. Brian, an interesting thought popped in my head. I'd love your your opinion on this. You know, we talk about some of those things you mentioned, the trader's market, and we look at soybeans, the farmers who wanted to sell, you know, $15, and, you know, that's come and gone quickly. We get into the holidays, get into a lower volume type of trade. Sometimes it can get a little more volatile with low volume trade. Is this maybe a spot where, you know, producers look at putting in some of those quote-unquote wish orders? I don't know what else to call it. You know, say they want to throw out there a $15, you know, mark sell stop and whatnot, and if we hit it, then... They're good. If not, okay. I mean, is this is this something that could be looked at here in this type of holiday trading environment? It sure is, and 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 that's one of the things that. Um, so a lot of times, I'll have a tendency to be somewhat conversational with producers. Kind of talk about what's important to them, their goals, and I'll often hear them say, "Hey, if I could just get X, you know, I would I would do something with with." my crop or my some bushels and and so you know i'll kind of push them a little bit well if you if that's what you want get it out there um i'm, I'm not saying you would have done this if somebody would have but if you look at the stock market the other day if somebody had said geez if we could only get back to thirty-five thousand, i would you know move out of my portfolio and go to the sidelines well it was there for about 10 minutes it seemed like and now we're you know two thousand points difference or two divided by 35 whatever that is but uh See, that's about uh, 5.7% lower in two days. So the point of it is get those orders out there. We're not going to run out of supply. We have limited supply, but to really kind of get that upward momentum to really build, it seems like we're going to have to connect some favorable dots. You're going to have to have some weather concerns. You're going to have to have some good continued demand, either exports or just disappearance. Um, and you know, what we're really looking at is when you look at export sales are 4.4% ahead of the last year, um, you know, they're, they're, they're moving as expected. There isn't anything there. They're a little better than last year at this time, but there isn't anything there that's turning, you know, $15 beans into $16 beans. That's just, it's not happening. So, so make sure and get those orders up there and get them, get them triggered. If, uh, let them get triggered if the market uh, trips up there. And I think all of that is part of, and you and I have talked about this before, a proper, good, strong risk management plan. You know, especially this time of year, farmers are, are assessing things. They're they're looking here at the books ahead of the year end. They're preparing more for 23. They're maybe even looking at some 23 sales on new crop already, too. It's all about putting together that proper risk management plan, isn't it, Brian? Well, it is. So there's, there's a couple of facets to that a strategy or plan and that is managing risk but also managing opportunities and opportunities come in the form of selling into the rally selling value so i'm a big proponent on uh, sell early sell often in in the new crop because often the market puts some sort of weather premium or carry into price now there's no carry december uh, corn uh at 598 is well below march corn at 653 uh and in beans uh, 1388 November beans is well below 1476 in March. But but if we look at pure value and, and if we said, okay, if we sold some $14 board beans or hedged arrive or what have you and sold some $6 corn, what is our fear? Our fear is that the market just all of a sudden takes off and goes. Well, if we're selling some, that's we want to kind of have that fear ignited a little bit because that's the only way we can sell more higher and build an average price higher. But at least by getting some things sold, 
those sales should prices, uh, you know, not move up much from there, but move lower over time, act as a pulley. So it's, it's really about managing the risk and managing the opportunities. And again, that's Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. We'll continue with Brian coming up here after the break. A few of the closes on the day Thursday. March quarter up three, six fifty-three and a half. Soybeans for March down eight and a quarter, fourteen seventy-six and three quarters. January bean meal down four eighty a ton, four fifty-five thirty. January bean oil up twenty-seven point sixty-three eighty-two. Chicago wheat March eight higher, seven fifty-seven and a quarter. March KC wheat up ten and a quarter, eight sixty and a half. Spring wheat March down a half penny, nine sixty to three quarters. Live cattle December down 45, 154.05. February down 85, 154.85. January feeders down 55, 183.05. And hogs, February down 175, 81.65. April down 155 at 89.17. We'll continue the conversation with Brian Doherty coming up after the break. Back with more markets are right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, is our guest analyst here today on the show. Brian, let's move over to livestock. Livestock trade down Thursday. We got a rebound from uh, the previous week in the weekly export sales, but still just traded lower. I wonder if that had something to do with the stock market going lower, maybe uh kind of going lower in conjunction with the stock trade, Brian? I think it did. I, I, I you know, it's hard to say. We, we the, the cattle, the hogs, they've been pretty volatile lately. And uh, uh, I'm just going to give you sort of the, the, the quick history of February cattle. So, so in September 155, this is September 21st, uh, down to 149.60 by September 29th. So straight down and then straight up, and by October 27th at 156, so so picked up close to seven dollars, and then straight down within two weeks, or less than two weeks, uh, 152 area, and then right back up to 157, chopping, chopping, chopping. Last week we were down to 152.75, quickly rallied up to 156.75, so a four dollar move, and now taking back some of that. You kind of take away all that music, and we've been kind of stuck around this 154. We can go back to July and be either side of that. So I'd say the market is stable, but between inflation and worries about, you know, the consumer not being able to really afford higher price cuts, the 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 trend you can argue is steady to higher or steady. But I think you've got this kind of just this whole like today in the stock market, it just you know, anybody looks at that and they go to the grocery store and they're like, yeah, how bad did my 401k get beat up today? Um, maybe we'll go to the chicken. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. Well, and I think with cattle too, cash cattle trade's been really slow to start uh, here this week. I wonder if part of that's also getting to the holidays, maybe some of it, especially in the north, the winter storm maybe having an effect there on some feedlots. But you know, this uh, this cash trade and just looking at the supply of cattle, uh, it seems like everyone I talk to is is fairly bullish with supply coming down. Yet, you know, one has to wonder, or have we reached a top maybe in cattle? I guess these are just some things that have been running around my head as I have conversations with ranchers and, and analysts here as we head towards the beginning of 2023 is, you know, has this cattle market run out of steam or does it have more room to run, Brian? Um. It's got more room to run. 
I, I, I think in the supply side, it'll be tough to keep cattle prices down unless demand completely falters. You know, I've talked about China and some poor economic conditions. They're they're doing some things to maybe shore up uh, their economy. And, and so we're hopeful there's a good export market there. Um, long term, there's just a supply issue, I think, in the cattle industry. And, and so you're, you're going to need these higher prices in order to build a herd. You're going to need some cheaper corn. And right now we don't have cheap corn and we still get droughty conditions all over the map. And it's just hard to, to come to any kind of conclusion that we've got the supply. Um, the world is, well, well increasing slowly. It's still increasing uh, population every, every year. Mm-hmm. And I, I just shudder to think, you know, we, we talked about this before that if supplies get too tight, you know, the Packers may not work Saturdays uh, or maybe it's a four day week. So I, I think there's a real supply pinch on the horizon. We talked about the cows and heifers that have been pulled ahead. The feedlots got kind of full. Um, weight gain was pretty good this fall, but uh, things would get pretty tight. And that's one other issue that we really haven't addressed is winter weather and kind of this back and forth temperature that we've seen here in the last couple of weeks. In some areas, it's not been very good for weight gain for cattle. That's a good thing to keep in mind for sure. Brian, how about that dairy market? What do you see in there today? You know, t- today um, we saw some some price rebound, not a lot, uh, 7 to 20 higher, let's call it. Uh, struggling to really hang on to $20 milk in the front months and barely getting over $20 in the back months. And, you know, we're going back a long time historically, but that, you know, $20 milk is pretty solid. Now this last year when it's 25, 20 doesn't look so good. And a lot of farmers that sold at 20, disappointed they did so. But I think that was last year. Um, production up a little bit, efficiency up. Um, I I don't know. I wonder if we, you know, there was, I'm going to say there's profits made in the dairy industry. So when there's profits, you know, people try and produce a little bit more and, you know, now it's getting back to being kind of sticky again, but I don't think we have the momentum to carry as much above 21 and a half or $22. That's just me at my best guess because to get to that 24, 25, usually it's something extraordinary. It's a lot of other markets. It's a commodity complex moving up. And I don't see that right now. Well, Brian, great thoughts as always. Any other final thoughts or anything you want to reiterate for us before we wrap it up for today? I'll focus back on you talked about your wish orders, you know, think about what that might look like to you. If you can get 25 cents on corn or 50 cents on beans, you know, something that comes kind of quick, keep, keep rewarding the market. The old saying is nobody went broke selling at a profit. Um, you know, I, I, I worry that everything that was kind of friendly and bullish to the markets the last couple of years could be dissipating or turn the other way. And then it's tough to find anything, even bullish news is view, viewed as bearish news. So you get the rallies and they run out of steam. Uh, I only say that from a long a long career of working in the markets that when the dynamics sort of shift uh, and you have high markets and you have tight fundamentals, at some point you got to have people willing to pay at a higher price. And if the momentum isn't there, they don't. And then the market drifts. And if you get something negative. So um, be, be mindful of selling rallies. Uh, lightening the load, uh, know your marketing tools. Definitely. Well, folks want to reach out to you and have a conversation about some of their marketing tools and just talk about what their plan looks like. How's that? What's the best way to get a hold of you, Brian? The best way is 
800-334-9779. Again, Brian Doherty, uh, Total Farm Marketing, 800-334-9779, or our website, totalfarmmarketing.com. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for the time and the insight. Have a great weekend, sir, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Jesse. Much appreciate it. Bye-bye. Again, Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. That's going to do it for the show today. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.